What's going on, guys? AJ here back again, bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. And I have a very special episode for you guys, guys. We have another guest on today's podcast. William Stringer, guys. He is an amazing founder, an amazing CEO, uh, turning into a dear friend. And he runs a company that I think you guys need to check out. If you're an early stage founder, if you're a founder with an idea, an idea that you know can change the world, an idea that you know can change your life. And if you're looking for something that's a little bit different than your traditional angel investing or your, or, or your traditional VC or your traditional any other type of investing vehicles that you may use to try to get your brand to another level, I guarantee this episode is something you should listen to. What he's presenting, what, what the opportunity that he's created is such an innovative one. It's such an interesting one that I think every single founder that, that wants to do things a little bit more practical to take a listen to this episode and take a strong consideration to engage with this new idea and this new concept of investing in your idea, investing in your dreams and making it to the next level. So, so listen to this podcast, listen very closely to the structure of, of the deals, listen very closely to the structure of the company, listen very closely to the just authentic thoughts and perspectives and tips that William provides in today's episode. And I guarantee you guys will enjoy this. So again, this is an amazing episode, guys. We are bringing you yet another episode of Let's Talk Startups. I'm going to stop talking now. Thank you, William. Thank you to every single downloader and listener of this podcast. And uh, that's about it. Enjoy. Couple things. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for your patience. Um, it's been a it's been a long process here. Secondly, the reason why I've decided to come back around and finally bring you onto the podcast is number one, uh, I'm a man of my word. I think that's important. Number two, um, I really enjoyed our our first conversation we had. And number three, um, I've spent a decently uh, amount, a decent amount of like personal time, kind of as much as I can through your website and remembering our first conversation to kind of open up the hood a little bit of what you're doing. Um, I'm personally kind of interested. And then I think the folks that I know listen to this podcast, um, the the brands that I invest in, the the brands that, and when I say invest in, I don't actually don't mean equity, I'm, I'm financial. I mean, invest my time in advise, support, try to be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. I know for a fact they, would appreciate the model you have. So um, please tell every human listening who you are, um, the amazing initiative that you decided to get off the ground here and uh, let's jump in. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm glad we could finally circle around and uh, and get this on the books. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so kind of quick background. Uh, my name is Will Stringer, uh, co-founder and CEO of Chisos and Chisos Capital. And what Chisos is, is really an investment platform that provides early stage uh, capital to pre-traction idea early stage founders. We're writing 15 to $50,000 checks on an instrument called a convertible income share agreement, which is really an instrument that we created by taking income share agreements that have been used in the education space, taking those, using them uh, for entrepreneurs at the earliest stage. So our terms combine an income share agreement with the founder and a safe or an equity position in their business. And we can get into uh, some of the deeper mechanics on how it actually works. But um, really, we think this is solving a fairly large issue, not only in the US, um, but globally, where founders at the beginning 
maybe they put in, you know, 10 grand of their own money um, to start to get the business off the ground. But oftentimes they need a bit more capital. Uh, sometimes that comes from friends and family. Sometimes it comes from more personal savings, but more often than not, that friends and family capital, that personal savings is not there. And there's a capital gap. And a lot of times, you know, it can be filled by credit cards or, you know, home equity loans, but we think we've found a better way um, to really meet the founder where they're at and, and provide them with both capital and resources at the earliest stage uh, of, of them starting their business. I love it. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, I'll just say I love it again. And I think <laughs> I think I loved it the last time we chatted. Um, let me start with a hard hitting question. Is that okay? Is that is it a safe place to start with the the, the hardest question potentially? Go for it. Perfect. And I've learned that from my HR people ops days. You know, anytime we have difficult conversations, we're taught to uh, make sure it's a safe place mentally. Um, so my tough question is this. You know, my fiance is dealing with significant debt from school. Um, I have significant debt from school, uh, many friends, family, colleagues, things of that nature. And so walk me through kind of the income share agreement, that, like walk me through the scary part of it. And, and, and what I mean by that is that I, and I don't mean to put you in a tough spot or anyone that would, that's associated with your brand in a tough spot, but I'm sure there are parts of the income share agreement. If you really were to open up the hood a little bit that are uh, maybe hard for someone to wrap their head around. Maybe there are certain things that they need to fully understand before they get involved with you guys. Because I think, I think what's objective is that you guys are doing a phenomenal thing for the world of, of startups and entrepreneurs that have an idea that have very little to minimal traction, but there's a belief there that this can work. Um, but I know there could be some downside. So let's, let's, uh, let's look the, uh, the scary beast in its eyes for a moment and, and let's kind of get that out the way so we can jump into all the beautiful, amazing things about the what's, brand. What's the, what's the worst and scary part about it? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the question because we try and put that right up front. Um, yeah. You know, we don't, we don't want to, you know, confuse anybody. We aren't pure angel equity only investors. This income share agreement does require payback. Um, and so, you know, we try and educate founders or anybody interested in, in our product as much as we can. I'd say, you know, let's, let's give an example of kind of worst case scenario here. We invest $40,000. Um, we sign the income share agreement with the founder. We get a percentage of equity in the business. Let's say the next day, uh, the company fails. So, you know, the equity component that we got goes to zero. That company uh, no longer exists. The income share agreement will stay in place. And what that looks like is similar to those educational income share agreements. There's no fixed payments. There's no uh, interest that accrues. What happens is when the individual makes income, personal income, over $40,000 in our case, uh, they pay back or they make payments based on 10% of that income. So if they're making $100,000, uh, they're paying us $10,000 a year in repayments. And that is capped at uh, 2X. It starts out at 2X repayment cap or 120 months of repayment cap. So again, a lot to digest here, but let's say the founder decides, or, or they're making $39,000 a year. Yep. At that point, they're paying zero. They don't owe anything on the income share agreement. 
and they could make $39,000 a year for uh, 15 years, payback zero, and then the income share agreement is goes away. It's complete. Um, like I said, the repayment cap starts at 2x. So again, if we make a $40,000 investment, you'll never pay back more than $80,000. There's actually ways to bring that number down. So if you pay back one and a half X within five years, uh, the income share agreement is complete. And then if we go back to kind of the uh, interplay between the equity and the ISA component, if you start raising uh, additional rounds of capital at your company, there's ways to bring that income share agreement repayment cap down to 1x. So you essentially just pay 1x back on that income share agreement. Again, it's, it is a liability of the founder. Uh, we're, we're very upfront about that. But we think when you compare it to you know, traditional credit products, it's much more flexible. There's you know, that downside protection in terms of a guaranteed income floor. Uh, there's the upside, or I guess the, the caps, uh, time-based and amount-based that can limit the repayment amount. So yeah, you know, we're upfront about that component of it, um, but it is, it is a liability of the founder. And, and, and for us, you know, that's what allows us to attract capital from private investors to this instrument, to be able to deploy that capital and, and provide those early checks uh, really at the, the riskiest stage uh, of these businesses. You know, yeah. the stats at, you know, we'd even call us pre-pre-seed. Um, it's tough. Building a business is hard and, and we want to enable founders to build their business and, and get their business off the ground. But, you know, the reality is a number of these businesses are going to fail. And for us to be able to offer capital at that earliest stage, uh, we've kind of had to build in that, that little bit of downside protection but we've made it as flexible as, as we think we can. Let's jump to some good here for a minute. Let's talk about the psychology of, um, of the type of organizations, AKA the founders that you guys are excited to invest in. And actually, before we even do that, uh, well, I'll say this, thank you for being very upfront and honest. I think that is important to do. I think transparency is starting to become um, an incredibly important value of any organization that, that is a part of, today's society. I think, I just think human beings are getting smarter. I think um, globally human beings are expecting organizations, brands, leaders, just people in general to be more transparent and honest and candid. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I mean, like you said, uh, people are getting smarter. Information is readily available. Yeah, it's just bad business to try and obfuscate any kind of, uh, you know, terms if we got into a business relationship with a founder and they didn't understand what they were getting into, that's just, that's bad for everyone. So we, uh, we like to make sure that everybody completely understands how it is that, that we like to invest. A hundred percent. Let's start into some psychology things for a moment. So um, what's, what's exciting for you guys, because obviously you guys have your own selfish perspective desires around the types of companies, the types of industries, whether you believe a founder will be successful or not. I'm not sure what type of guy you are or what type of organization you're building pertaining to, um, what is it called? The, the horse or the, what do they say? Uh, 
the founder or the or the product essentially i know some people invest in founders and their and their overall will and ability and their background and their skill set other organizations and other humans invest in uh the product or the thesis connected to the product or the industry itself and where they're where that's going so talk to me about how you think about some of those psychology elements yeah it's you know, the nature of where we invest is investing in, in people. Uh, oftentimes there's, you know, no traction, maybe an MVP or something to kind of look and feel in terms of a product, but it's, it's so early we're, we're betting on the people. And so we're looking at three main buckets, uh, when we evaluate opportunities, um, two are founder related. Uh, so one, you know, we do look at some credit information Two, we're looking at, qualitative and, and kind of psychographic information on the founder. So we're trying to get a sense of the ambition, grit, hustle, leadership, uh, humbleness, coachability, some of the classic founder traits, uh, as well as looking at, you know, all right, what is their previous career looks look like? What is their education look like? You know, why are they well suited to go try and solve this problem? Do they have industry knowledge? Do they have, you know, uh, a personal hobby where they really understand, you know, the specific problem that a lot of people are having. Um, and then the last bucket is, is the business. So we do want to see, you know, good customer research, understanding of the problem, uh, you know, a thesis around a business model, a go-to-market strategy. None of this has to be proved out yet. We know it's early, but we do want to see that the founders put some thought into it um, and, and done their own research and at least, gone as far as they can, uh, you know, without having to spend those dollars. It Today, it, it doesn't take much to do a bunch of research online, post on some forums, get some feedback on a product. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of forums to do that. Uh, and, and so we love seeing that um, uh, when we are doing diligence on an opportunity. Let's, let's stick with the psychology for a moment. Again, you, you mentioned something that I think is really important. We talked about the grit. We talked about the hustle a little bit. You talked about the ability to be strategic, um, the ability to at least have a really clear understanding of, of what they're trying to build and what they're getting into and how it can, it can inevitably be, be successful. Um, you know, being someone that started a couple companies early in my career, 19 to 25, um, I'm now biting off. I don't know what I'm doing, Will. I'll be very honest with you. I don't know what... <laughs> I decided to get involved in, I decided to try to start a holding company and there's like six brands and 20 plus people around me and a lot, a lot is happening. And so one thing that I know is true, just due to my personal experiences, there's a, there's a certain level of grit strategy, um, like consistent research and learning behavior on the back end and behind the scenes, being humble, empathetic. Um, and then also kind of shifting over to more objective things, either being super technical or subject matter expert, or in my case, being super strategic and thoughtful and great at partnerships and galvanizing and building teams out of nowhere and, and putting the best people, um, in the world in their best spots of the organization and removing ego. There's a lot of things involved when running a company. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. How do you guys analyze that stuff? Because a lot of everything I said is very hard to like quantify um, in a black and white format. How do, you, how do you guys think about that? What formula do you use 
Is it is it mainly if you could be just real with me? Is it mainly just kind of gut feeling? Talk to me about some of that. Yeah, it's and it's an ongoing process. Um, you know, I'd say we're actively iterating on our scoring formulas and criteria to try and take the subjectivity out of it. So there are things like uh, I think Gallup has a personality assessment. I think you know Ray Dalio's organization just put out a personality assessment that starts to you know ask a bunch of questions and then tells you what type of you know profile you are. And then some of those profiles have you know higher pro proclivity to entrepreneurship. So we're trying to take some of that thinking uh, around kind of the psychographic information and incorporate it into our scoring. We're also directly asking references. So right now we do two reference calls uh, for every opportunity. And you know we ask them straight up like, all right, scale of one to 10, what do you think the leadership uh, qualities are? Or what do you think the grit or ambition looks like? Um, you know, when you say references, who are you referring to? Like previous employers? So we, the, the founder or the applicant uh, provides us with references. And so we say, hey, you know, personal, professional references, we're just trying to get a sense of, of you. Um, and so they provide those references. Sometimes it's previous employers, sometimes it's managers, sometimes it's, you know, family, friends. Uh, it's it's kind of ranged. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so taking those pieces. Uh, and then we, you know, we have interviews uh, and we interact with the founders multiple times during diligence and again, there is some subjectivity in it. And when we have a conversation and we see the just pure excitement in the eyes of the founder, when they start talking about their problem that they're looking to solve, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a green flag for us. That's, Hey, this founder really has some ambition and passion around this problem problem. Uh, if that founder, you know, has, gone out, done a ton of research and is just breaking down barriers to try and be successful and are, you know, have, have has done a ton without a lot of resources before we even start talking with them. We love to see that too. Cause again, that's just that grit uh, to succeed no matter what. And those things, you know, there is data out there that say those types of qualities are indicative of success, a higher chance of success during entrepreneurship it's kind of, I wouldn't say in vogue, but it's fashionable to, you know, especially out here in California where, where I live to start a company and, you know, try and be a founder, but it is hard as hell, uh, starting a company is, as, oh as I, I know, you know, all too well. Um, and so when those tough times come, like the person has to be willing to push through and work through the issues, work through the lows, uh, to, to come out on the other side. Um, and so, you know, if someone is just kind of being a, a entrepreneurial tourist, a lot of times we can kind of suss that out. Um, it's not perfect, but we we're, we're really looking for those founders that are going to stick it out, um, because they have, you know, that higher, higher purpose or higher passion, um, and are really passionate about solving the problem. And, and you know what, Will, you just landed on something that was so right. So let me go like on a 47 second rant. Is that okay? Go for it. <laughs> uh, let me try to bring some advice to the listeners. Um, tough times look like the following examples. Tough times don't always necessarily have to be 
technical or knowledge tough times. Like you just can't figure something out. You just, you're just not applying the right strategy because I can, I can paint a very clear pictures of partnerships and strategic alliances and, and building out teams from the beginning with zero capital and, and how to go about that at a very strategic level and, and all these different things that are very um, personality and, and, and leadership driven that can actually solve some of those technical and some of those knowledge-based problems. And I know that might be a surprise to some folks listening, but that's something that I think um, is a little bit easier than most actually think it is, right? So let me, let me, and, and well, I don't know if you want to piggyback off of what I'm about to say here. Here are some other tough problems moments. Like something that I don't think enough founders realize and understand is kind of the emotional grit, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I studied neuroscience at a very deep level about for about three years. And so there's this thing called a threat response. There's this thing called a reward response. There are a couple of things called memory banks and subconscious and, and, and frontal lobe and all these different things. And long story short, what I'm talking about is when you are dealt with pressures of family members passing away, um, significant others giving you a tough time, um, pressures of social, social anxiety, um, you know, self-doubt and, 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 and looking at yourself in the mirror and, and, and trying to determine if this entrepreneurial path is going to be the correct one, contextual to what your mom and your dad told you growing up, contextual to your significant other, contextual to your friends that just graduated from Duke and are making, you know, 80K just out of university, but now you're making damn near zero driving DoorDash or Uber or, or still living in your mom's basement trying to figure things out because you believe in this idea. All that stuff takes incredibly emotional, incredibly emotional grit that takes a very special human to continue to persevere through. Because again, the strategic and technical initiatives that actually takes to build a brand, that's one bucket. The bucket that I just talked about, believe it or not, is actually a little bit larger and comes consistently in life a little bit more than the other bucket. And if your emotional bucket continues to drain, you find yourself with limited you know, uh, emotional resources to dump into the technical and strategic and product driven bucket. And, and now you find yourself in a very difficult spot. Um, and it's, I know a lot of founders and entrepreneurs have talked about this in keynotes and panels and things of that nature. But Will, I don't know if you would agree. It's something that is not talked about still to this day enough that I think um, is very difficult to, again, analyze doing your process, and I'm sure you guys have maybe experienced this, but I think even giving some value to the founders listening, it's very difficult to analyze that within yourself and to make a decision for yourself. Am I the type of entrepreneur that can handle and adjust to those moments? And frankly, I think you don't, I think none of us really had the answer until we're facing those moments, until there's like the rocky statement, you know, you never know how you're going to react until you're punching the mouth and or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that stuff? A thousand percent. Yeah. And, you know, I got goosebumps as you were kind of talking about it just because I, you know, I can identify with that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because it is talked about, but it's talked about, it feels like at a surface level. It's like yeah. you, unless you've been in the situation, say you're sitting at a conference listening to, you know, a successful entrepreneur talk. And they're talking about those hard times and, you know, how, how far they were down and the emotional toll it took. And I don't know, I, I remember sitting in those conferences and listening to those talks and thinking like, 
yeah, yeah. Like I get it. Sounds, sounds good. Uh, you know, I'll make sure and watch out for that. But until you're actually in it and you know, you're a year into it, six months into it, whatever the call it initial excitements worn off, you know, maybe friends and family or, you know, their excitement is, has worn off. So they're not as, you know, enthusiastic about it, but you know, it's still your business and it's your life essentially that you're, you're choosing to spend working on this problem. Um, you can very quickly, you know, get into an emotionally tough place where you don't see how the business is going to move forward. You see so many obstacles that you have no idea how you're going to overcome. And yeah, that's that grit um, that, you know, is, is, there's no perfect way to kind of suss that out uh, beforehand, but that's kind of the look in the mirror and think, okay, you know, am I set up, am I in a position where I can commit 12, 18 months to this thing, even if it goes nowhere, even if it goes terribly wrong, even if, you know, my friends and family no longer support what it is I'm doing, um, do I believe in the problem that much to continue going down the path and trying to use all of my creative strategic resources to try and solve those problems and push the company forward. Um, yeah. So uh, again, that was kind of a rant, but no, hundred percent agree on your kind of framing of it where it's just, it's unless you're doing it um, or experiencing it, it's a, uh, it's hard to know beforehand what it's going to feel like. And kind of to talk about Chisos a little bit, you know, me being a founder um, of Chisos kind of, and then also being an investor kind of helps me wear both hats and be able to empathize with the founders that we invest in uh, pretty well. And so, you know, I see some of the founders, you know, if they have a couple months where they're not making progress or maybe they have a deal fall through, like I know how that feels. And so, you know, we try to be there and say, Hey, you know, let's meet twice a month or once a week or whenever you need, honestly, like our team is here to, not only help make intros and provide resources and stuff, but to also just be a sounding board. You know, we're already invested in you as a person. Um, Even if your business fails, like, you know, the nature of our investment is we're still invested in you. So don't be afraid to come to us with, you know, the problems that you're having. We're not a pure equity investor that, you know, maybe you want to make sure you dress up all your metrics and make sure that, you know, us as an investor feel good about the company we really harp on the fact that, Hey, it's not always going to go well. And that's kind of an, you know, call it an advantage of us having been invested in you as a person with that income share agreement. Like no matter what happens, we want you to succeed because we are financially invested in you. Uh, So tell us what's going on and we can help you. Uh, One, because we're founders, you know, some of us have been there, me and my co-founder, both founders, um, and, and two, you know, we're financially invested in your success, um, no matter what. So yeah, we try and provide that, uh, emotional support as well. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, and, and, and frankly, you know, as a, um, 
as a as a little side and i'm sure i'm sure it exists as a little side business that i just spit out right now off the top of my head that i'm sure it exists but i haven't done any research there should definitely be um i'm just going to spit this off the top of my head well and then we can jump into a more deeper question um about about the brand i think there should be a uh kind of like a my first million moment right now not if you listen to that podcast at all um do you listen to the podcast? Well, actually, I I don't. Uh, oh, you should listen to it. Sam Parr of the Hustle. Um, oh, okay. Yes, sorry, I have, and he's on there with uh, what Sean or Sean? I can uh, never pronounce his name. Sean. Yes, so I take that back. I've listened to a, a couple episodes. It's a good yeah. 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 They just you. kind of spitball randomly ideas and or adjustments and tweaks to industries or companies, but um, there should definitely be like a um, who was what's the what's the character what's the uh high performance coach executive coach that that has that plays kind of like a chief of staff role in billions do you watch that show oh i do uh talking about wendy Rhodes. there should be a wendy Rhodes out here and someone like you or someone like me that should make like a co-founder relationship and there should be like a service that's created where they literally just make partnerships with angels and vcs and, and firms like yours and and just entrepreneurs at a high level where there's like a monthly retainer and you're just there to like help them diagnose and break down their thoughts their perspectives their fears at a more strategic level not like very similar to how wendy does it like at a yeah. very high performance coaching level um and then i think someone like you or i could be their co-founder to like plug them in with you know like actually find the opportunities find make the partnerships find the founders and uh, I think that'd be a really interesting business, actually. And I think even more than that, I think it'd be a very productive business because I don't know if anything out there exists. Like I personally would probably pay a monthly retainer to something like that. Yeah, I, I might be misstating here, but I thought I was reading something about some of these bigger BC firms uh, you know, thinking about bringing those types of individuals on staff. And yeah. saying, hey, you know, here we have this startup performance coach and utilize it as a portfolio company. It's it's a perk. So I, you know, if it's not already out there, I imagine it, it will be because yeah. it's just such an important part of that founder journey. Yep. Someone that has a skill set very similar to Wendy, someone that has a skill set to be very empathetic, soft, and gentle, where you want to unpack certain personal things that are that are that are um um effing up your performance if you want me to be direct and then and then and then she also has the ability or that person would have the ability to then jump right back over and get really tactical and strategic with you and help you facilitate and flush out your thoughts so that when you walk away from that meeting you're walking away not only feeling better emotionally but feeling better tactically you have a few new ideas that you want to try to put to work and then the next month you see that person you kind of analyze the results and, and unpack the new slew of issues that you have. Yeah, it it's, I mean, I imagine it is infinitely valuable. I personally you know, don't pay for a performance coach. I've thought about it. I've looked into it before. It's one of those things that's like, you know, you should do it. Sometimes it's hard to justify the cost, even though there's all the stories out there that it's well worth it. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times I get, some of the benefit, you know, of strategic thinking or just kind of commiserating with other founders by talking with other founders I know. So 
you know, that's kind of the, the free version of it, but, um, yeah, you know, someone who's trained professional, uh, founder coach, that's just imagine infinitely valuable to just hold the mirror up and, and help you see where your own, uh, downfalls or flawed thinking is. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I might, I might try to build that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I got to stop that. I already had like six things happening. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be too hard to spit out, honestly. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it could do we'll, we'll collaborate on it. That, that's a good one. Yeah, it, it really honestly could work if you think about it. Um, so you talked about some some perks, some some like ancillary support that, you know, you guys and I think you actually I think when we last chatted, I think we had like a brief interaction via email where I mentioned to you, like, look, any way that I can support the founders, uh, please let me know because, you know, you know, my background, my background is I have a really great skill of helping early stage companies within my own company's early stage, um, build out teams from scratch with, with not knowing a human being like at all, um, not having capital. And then it's like mm -hmm. building out, you know, folks around me that either have equity or don't have equity and just making the right strategic partnerships. And just, I don't know, I just having a skill of scaling that up and building that up relatively quickly, because I think it saves a lot of money and time and effort. And it puts the most amazing people that are actually subject matter experts in their right positions from day one so that I can stay in my sweet spot. Um, so I know you had mentioned like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll keep you in mind and, and I'll give you some updates around mentorship programs and other kind of variables that you guys will have to, to, to support your founders. Um, are there any advances on that at a little bit more of a tangible level? Like what resources do you guys have in place? What resources are you thinking about in the future? Because if you remember when I originally reached out to you, um, I had always thought with my startup EX brand that actually recently was acquired through a company, but before it was acquired, I recently thought that it'd be really interesting to connect myself with, with firms and, and organizations like yours that and, and be there as that resource at a really tangible level, either in-house or, or, or a paid retainer externally, or at least at a connection introduction type level. Um, what do you guys have in place around those things? Yeah. Um, so when we first chatted, it was kind of, hey, I meet these people and I have them in my head and what they do. And then as I talk to our portfolio founders, you know, I make those connections and yeah. you know, that is has limited scalability mm -hmm. so since then uh we've put a pretty simple uh database in place we have a, a form that we've been sending out it basically says hey if you're an investor a, a mentor advisor or a service provider you know drop your info in here and let us know you know which bucket you fall into and then how like what your skills are how, how can you help uh if you're interested in helping startup founders and we're building that database out and providing that database in searchable format to our own portfolio. Mm. So if, you know, a portfolio founder says, Hey, I need to need some help on hiring or scaling my team, or I need an expert on e-commerce or something like that. Uh, hopefully I, I think we're at like, you know, 50 submissions so far, something like that. But the goal is to get that database to you know thousands of individuals that are interested in helping early stage founders and so one of our portfolio founders can go search that database 
find the you know investor that invests in e-commerce or mentor that is an expert in e-commerce and is willing to contribute some time. And then we as Chisos can either make that connection or uh, the founder can reach out directly. And uh, you know we kind of put a stipulation out there that says, if you're going to come into this database uh, and you know be a part of the Chisos ecosystem, you know, at a minimum, you need to be willing to answer an email. Um, don't ghost anybody, you know, that just breaks down the whole ecosystem. So answer the email, you know, if it's not a right fit, that's fine. If you're totally swamped and don't have time that month, that's fine, but communicate it uh, and make sure that you're getting back to that founder. So that's, that's kind of a big initiative that we've uh, started last month uh, on top of the other uh, kind of networks that our team has uh, pulled together just personally. Well, Will, um, I think, please don't forget this. I think it's time to send me that form. Um, yeah. I will, now that we're connected and now that um, we've, uh, we've reestablished this relationship, I would love to be of service. I would love to help. Um, and I told you that from the beginning, I would love to, to, to bring some sort of expertise. I think, um, I think I can be, yeah, I think I can be helpful. So, and then I think, you know, some of my, some of my partners and, and my network, I, I would love to share that on as well. So, um, because I think you can never have enough, right? Because I think just based off of the schedules and the bandwidth, I think having a list of a few hundred would probably be uh, pretty helpful, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the back looking at my systems here. Uh, so I, we put the form link in our June update. Uh, that funny story accidentally fired at midnight of, uh, of June 30th instead of noon the next day. But uh, yeah, so it's on there and then I'll, I'll send it directly to you after this. And yeah, we're just looking for really people willing to, again, uh, contribute either money, time, or, you know, their service. Um, so yeah, definitely get you involved there. Yeah, I would love that. And then I think the last thing I want to ask, and then um, and then we'll shift one more time here. Um, how how are you guys thinking about? So you're so you're raising you're raising it again here. Uh, are you able to disclose what you're looking at to raise? I am. Yeah. So the every avenue of raise that we're doing, uh, we have the ability to talk publicly about it, uh, which is great. And yeah, I'll just kind of plug. We're raising at our operational uh, hold co. Uh, Chisos using WeFunder. So we're doing a reg CF raise uh, targeting a million dollars. Uh, we're at about half a million now. And that is on wefunder.com slash Chisos. So definitely check that out. Um, and then, you know, we're raising our fund too. Like I mentioned before, we're doing a, a 506C exemption. So it's accredited investors only on that end, uh, which is different than the reg CF, which is anybody can invest. So we, yeah, we've got kind of two parallel fundraisings going and uh, yeah, it's, it's keeping us busy there. And only anyone that can invest side, I mean, what type of, you know, what do those returns look like? What can they expect? Um, so yeah, you know, forward looking statements cannot be guaranteed all that good stuff, oh, um, it, but you're investing in Chisos, which kind of has two two business lines underneath it. One is the asset management business where, like I said, we're raising funds, we're deploying capital. And as an investor, we get management fees on 
assets under management, and then we have back-end carried interest uh, to the extent those investments perform well. All, all of that, management fees and carried interest, all flows to the parent company, which is where the investors sit. So if we raise additional funds, uh, have some carried interest that comes off of those funds, uh, anybody who invests gets the benefit of that. Secondly, um, and this is kind of our longer term game plan is we've built out software internally to help us invest uh, and help us underwrite. And that software is becoming a fairly unique piece of software that we built for ourselves to source, underwrite, and service these opportunities. And the plan is really to take that software and monetize it and go out to universities or foundations or even other governments to say, we have the ability using our convertible income share agreement to deploy small checks at high volume into early stage entrepreneurs uh, and their companies. And we think that using this platform, you can boost your entrepreneurial ecosystem, whether that's in your university ecosystem or your city ecosystem. And today, cities, universities, governments alike, they're all competing because people were working remotely. They can work from anywhere. And so the cities are competing for constituents. They're trying to figure out how do we draw in talent? You know, the, the, the clear case right now is Miami, what Miami is doing. They're saying, hey, come to Miami. We're going to support you as an entrepreneur. You know, we're going to make it easy to start a business. Well, I think we're going to start to see a lot more cities taking that playbook and trying to figure out how do we attract entrepreneurs to our city so that they can create companies, create more jobs, and then that virtuous cycle you know, continues in our city. Well, our pitch to the city as Chisos is, we can help you set up this platform. You as a city can say, hey, entrepreneur, come to Detroit. And we have the ability to give you a $50,000, invest $50,000, uh, you know, really based on, on you as a founder um, and your earning potential, let's say. And I think that's gonna be uh, a pretty attractive proposition to cities, universities, you know, other investing entities. And we will be that infrastructure, that software infrastructure to enable it. Uh, so that, that's kind of the longer term plan that we think has some, some pretty big growth potential. That's really, really interesting. Well, um, well, look, give us, uh, give us some more information around where people can find you. Um, where can, where can they kind of sign up and find the brand, AKA invest or, and, or, you know, some of these founders that are really interested and excited about their, their ideas, their products, their projects, their services. Um, give us some, some, some information around this all up and uh, I'll definitely get you out of here because I know you're a busy guy. Yeah. You know, shout out to our chief marketing officer, uh, Kinsey. She's done a great job you know, with our content and SEO. And so we're pretty easy to find on Google, you know, Chisos uh, ISA or Chisos Investor. You know, we're, we're not the mountain range out in, in West Texas, uh, Chisos Mountains. But <laughs> Chisos Capital uh, on Twitter, I think Chisos LLC on LinkedIn, uh, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on uh, Instagram. We have Chisos.io and that's C-H- ISOS.io. That's our main website. We have tons of information, 
on the convertible income share agreement. We have videos, we have webinars, we have white papers, everything you can imagine. Um, we've tried to put out there to make it very easily, very easy for entrepreneurs to learn about what we do. Uh, there's a big orange button that says apply that if you're looking for investment from Chisos, go click on that button. You'll get started in the application process. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. And, you know, again, I'll plug our, our WeFunder um, campaign for anyone looking to invest in the company. It's wefunder.com slash Chisos. Uh, again, WeFunders made it pretty easy to, to make that investment. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an investor, if you're just generally interested in what we're doing and you know, maybe helping uh, spread the convertible income share agreement and uh, enable more entrepreneurs at that earliest stage, reach out. I mean, you know, hello at chisos.io. We monitor that inbox and yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to find. Amazing. Well, I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm proud of myself for reaching back out here. It was definitely well worth it. And um, I'm honored to be able to kind of give you guys a little bit of a platform. I hope in the next six to 24 months here, I know that's a long range, but um, you know, I know with my podcast, the, the downloads just continue to slowly but surely build as I build out my brands. And so hopefully um, something comes through via uh, via this communication and, and hopefully it's a, a good thing for you guys and again I appreciate your time no I love it and, and thanks so much for having me on and yeah appreciate what you what you do and we're gonna get you uh, plugged in a little tighter here I think there's some founders that could use your special skills I appreciate that we'll talk soon awesome thanks thanks